All right, Happy New Year. Good to see everyone today. We are missing quite a few. I assume there's still a lot of people out. I can put this down, right? Do you need it? I'm good. Okay. I um, assume there's still a lot of people out traveling, visiting family. So let's not uh, forget them and pray for them. This new year, we are starting a new series for the month of January. And uh, it's a little bit different. It's a little topical series on bringing back the wanderer. And I'll explain that, but it's going to make January um, a little unique, not going through books of the Bible like we normally do. But we will be getting back to that. The book of Job is coming in February, so uh, that'll be interesting. But if you would, turn uh, in your Bibles or look on your outline or uh, your app or whatever it is that you have and turn to James chapter 5. And so the book of James is near the end of the New Testament. If you get to Revelation, you've gone a little bit too far. And you want to come back. James 5, the very end of the book of uh, uh, the book of James. So, and I'm going to be, I'll be preaching from verses 19 and 20, but I'm going to read starting at verse 13 so you have more of the context of what James is talking about here. So, as always, listen carefully. This is the word of God. Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months, it did not rain on the earth. Then he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. The word of the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for giving us the scriptures and making us your people. You have brought us to the book of James this morning to learn more about the heart of Christ for your people. Lord, we ask this morning that you would give us the grace to understand your hard teaching here. It's hard because we want to listen to our own hearts instead of yours. And when it comes to our friends and family members who have wandered away, our hearts can be cold wounded, angry, or apathetic, all in need of encouragement, all in need of instruction. And in this passage, you give us words of grace and forgiveness, commands which demand patience and discernment, and most of all, words about Jesus and his love for straying sheep. So open our ears to hear and our minds to know and our hearts to believe, and as always, give us the desire to learn from you this morning and bow our hearts to your authority. And so we pray, speak through the words of James, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, help us see Jesus. For in his name we pray, amen and amen. Her name is Abby. 
This is her story. She's written her story down, and she starts off by saying, I don't like the word prodigal. It's not in the Bible, and it doesn't describe me well. I was a wanderer. No doubt about it. I came from a loving family, but for a season I wandered far away. I knew better. I didn't have to, but it's part of my history now, a bad chapter and a good story with a grace ending. I didn't plan to wander. I didn't wake up one day and amble off. At no time did I decide to leave my family or my faith. It just happened without me realizing one step at a time. Hurt and stubborn, I stumbled along in adolescent secrecy to wherever my wandering feet took me. Drifting further and further, I lost sight of what I treasured. Frightened and alone, I became uncertain of what home was or even if it existed for me. Looking back, I see how very confused I became. And this is the worst part. I didn't know it at the time. The darkest part of wandering until you're lost is that you lose your sense of home and why it matters and how to get back. Blind to the road ahead and deaf to those who loved me, I was full of fear and I couldn't read the road signs. Wanderers don't need anger over how they've hurt you. They won't hear your pleas and can't comprehend your reasons. But they are lost. And only your love and God's love through you can find and bring them home. Don't despair. No matter how far your wanderer gets, looking back, it is truly a miracle of grace that I ever made it home, but thankfully I did. And God will give you strength until your wanderer does too. Jesus said, he who is forgiven much loves much. And by his grace, I love my family and my Savior as only those who have wandered and come home can. For those waiting for a wanderer to return, it's important to think of him or her as God does, loved and forgiven. Otherwise, when they do come home, you will drive them away again with your demand for answers. It's home at its best that they long for, and home at its worst they dread. Let God prepare your heart for the robe and ring welcome of the Father that Jesus talked about in Luke 15. In time, you will learn a lot more about the wanderer's time in a far country. What is essential is to let God prepare your heart for an unconditionally loving welcome. If you are a wanderer right now, I beg you to listen to those who have loved you longest and know you best. Home may seem scary to you, and maybe you can't imagine yourself there again, but home is who you really are, and the only place you'll experience lasting peace and happiness. While people wander for real reasons, I pray you'll find the strength to admit where your life is not working. No matter who you are or what you have done, your Father in Heaven loves you and wants to embrace you <coughs> with grace and forgiveness. Come home to Him. If He seems far away, if you're not sure you believe, Run to those you know who know him best. Even if you're not sure you want to know, even though it seems impossible now, people are praying for you, asking God to open your wandering heart to see where you've gone. 
that you'll awake to where you belong and come home. Abby wrote all of that in 2013, 10 years ago. Until it is a father or mother, a sister or brother, a son or daughter, or a grandchild, you don't really know the pain of living with a wanderer. You learn more than you ever wanted to about praying in desperation. I have a list of everyone who has ever been a member of this church going back to when I arrived in January of 1997. I'm sure I've missed a few over the years, but my count goes to 616 people in the past 26 years. And I didn't count any regular attenders who never joined, or those numbers would be much higher. Not a scientific survey, and there was a lot of guessing on my part. But I count as wanderers, some who've left the church, but maybe not the faith. Some who've left their family, but maybe not the faith. Some who've left the faith for sure, and some who've left it all. Church, family, faith, all of it. We now call it deconstruction. Most of them would simply call it leaving. And by my count, Potomac Hills has seen 85 people. 34 adults and 51 children, mostly teens, wander away. Almost all the adults left the church before they left the faith. Most of the teens wandered off during college. Many of them still claim to profess the faith. There's just no evidence of them practicing the faith. But even if there's just a small sliver of faith left, then there's still hope. Their story is not finished yet. And so we pray. And as hard as it may be, we try to obey God's word. And that brings us to our text for this morning, James 5, 19 and 20. Let me read it again. My brothers, if anyone, this is the fourth if anyone in this passage. So he's actually given four scenarios, three of which are about prayer and healing. And then this one, this is the fourth one. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth <clears throat> and, so, and, excuse me, <clears throat> and someone brings him back, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. For the next month, we're going to look at these wanderers. They leave our families, our friendships, and our churches. They come in both genders, many ages, and have unique experiences. Peter Thompson, Samson, and the prodigal son are four wanderers we meet in the Bible. There are many more. But each of them represents a particular type of wanderer, a wanderer whom God loves and wants to bring home. No doubt you have a wanderer or two in your own life. You've probably already thought of their names. And this sermon series is not going to tell you that God will use you to bring that person home. Too often at some level for our wanderers, we have been part of their struggle, a source of their pain, a barrier to their belief. 
And so more often than not, God will use someone else to reach the ones that are most on our hearts. And he'll use you to help someone else's wanderer. All around us are people who used to love God, who once attended church, maybe even this one, but for some reason wandered off. God knows what that reason is, and he wants to use you to help bring them home. So pray for the wanderers in your life and reach out to the ones around you. But before you can do that, there's a few things you need to know. And the first thing you need to know and you need to do is simply acknowledge that the problem is real. The problem is real. If you have that outline, that's the first blank in the outline. Men and women have a tendency to wander, even in the church. Sheep wander, even in the flock of the good shepherd. And that's why James includes this problem in his letter. The whole book of James is about growing in the faith, (coughs) growing to maturity in the Christian life. James has been writing about praying for the sick and confessing our sins. We saw that in James 5, verse 16. (coughs) He said, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. And he then gave the example of Elijah to encourage us to pray for healing for one another. And then we get this unusual ending. Most New Testament letters end with greet so-and-so and a benediction. Not James. After encouraging us towards confession and prayer and healing, he ends with a call to bring back the wanderers. Perhaps he does that because the wanderers are another example of people who would benefit from confession, who would benefit from prayer, who would benefit from healing of the soul, if not the body. Now he starts this verse, verse 19, somewhat unexpectedly. He says, my brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth, James' concern is not just any wandering people but wandering Christians. He's thinking of those who once embraced the truth, but then wandered away from it. You know, I I wish we still used the word brethren. It's kind of old-fashioned. But everyone understood that brethren meant brothers and sisters. No one's off the hook. Wandering was a problem in James' time, and it's a problem in our time. And since the church is a family, we have to deal with it. We have to deal with each other. He's He's talking about the people among us. He's talking about the folks who used to be here. People we consider to be fellow Christians. You can probably think of some. They used to sit right behind us. Where are they now? Look at that phrase in verse 19. If anyone among you If you look around real quick, I'm going to guess we're we're missing a lot of people. I'm going to guess we have about 100 or just over 100 uh, here this morning. 
You know, it's, we still have people traveling. It's New Year's Day. But if the numbers hold, that means that about 11 of the folks here this morning will wander away from the truth over the next 5 to 10 years. Look around. They may be sitting near you this morning. It may be a family member. It may be you. But no one is beyond the reach of God's grace. No one has wandered so far that they're out of God's sight, even if they're out of ours. Therefore, we have no excuses given to us to not be concerned with what God's word says here. He says, if anyone among you wanders from the truth. <clears throat> Some versions translate that as strays. The Greek word, I actually looked this one up, is planetai. We get the word planet from it. And it refers to how planets change location. And it came to mean moving without a proper sense of direction. <clears throat> Jesus uses the same word in Matthew 18. He says, what do you think if a man has a hundred sheep and one of them has gone astray? Does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search of the one that went astray? Now, some just wander off, just drift away. But some people are drawn away, like sheep taken by wolves. And these lost sheep used to believe the truth, but now they believe error. They used to listen to what, was, uh, what is right, but then they started listening to what was wrong. And it led them astray. And in those cases, there's almost always a negative, destructive relationship. It could be a colleague, a professor, another friend, or a family member. Today, it's most likely to be someone online. They sound smart. They sound confident. They sound sincere. And they're leading you astray. And they know what they're doing. And they mock those stupid people who still go to church and believe weird things. And while usually condescending, they make it sound funny. And they tell you, you don't belong there. Follow me, come with us, and then you'll find a place to belong. We'll offer you a better family, not a biological one or a spiritual one, but one where everyone chooses to be together, and off you go. But notice what James says in these verses. You're not wandering away from the church. You're not even wandering away from Jesus. You're wandering away from the truth. Now, yes, Jesus did say, I am the truth. And the Bible calls the church, 1 Timothy 3, a pillar and buttress of the church. But the center of this verse is what we believe, the truth, not error. God has revealed that truth to us in his son Jesus and in his word, God said, John 17, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This is serious business. Think of what it's like to be in the darkness with no sense of direction. That's where the wanderer is today. And so first we pray, Lord, I don't know what he was doing last night. I don't know where she's going this weekend. 
But if he's out there, he's lost in the darkness. She doesn't know where to go. He's confused about up and down, good and bad, right and wrong. She doesn't know how to get out. Lord, meet him there. Lord, meet her there. Their condition may be obvious to the rest of us, but it is not apparent when you're the one in the darkness. Remember, they've lost their way. They need someone to find them. This is the heart of Christ. Remember when he looked at the crowds, Matthew 9, he saw the crowds. He had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So first we pray, and then we go. Why? Because of the rest of the verse. The remedy is possible. Look again at verse 19. My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. Think of the person who's wandered away from the truth. They may be wounded. They may be seeking pleasure or personal peace or affluence. They may be ashamed. They may be misled. They may be distracted. They're lost. They're in darkness. They may not even know it. They may know it, and they may like it. And we could never insist that a holy God take back people who have rejected him for some version of unholiness. But he does. He welcomes them home. He restores them. He forgives them. Jesus says, Luke 15, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Isn't that what we want? Of course, the most obvious person has already come to mind, a son or a daughter, a sister or a brother, people that we love the most. Those are the ones our hearts immediately go out to. Let me pick up on something I said earlier, and I realize it's a painful observation. Sometimes the most obvious wanderer in your life is not the one that you're going to be able to go get. Chances are you've probably already made a few moves in that direction, and you want to go get them. And that may not go well. Their guard is already up around you. You've already spent some of your relational capital on them, and it's not paying off. But the text says, and someone brings them back. Here's what I suggest. God is going to have to touch someone else's heart to go get them. You may come to a place where you realize they're going to have to hear it from someone else. So pray for the obvious wanderer, but then reach out to the less obvious wanderer that God puts on your heart. And that means trusting God to put the one closest to you on someone else's heart. Could be someone in the church not named mom or dad. I'm not saying you shouldn't do anything, but you may not be the point person that God is going to use in your loved one's life. Instead, Think of somebody that you knew before, maybe uh, somebody that was in school or somebody you just haven't talked to for a while. They might be surprised to hear your voice. If their life is going to change, it's going to take direct contact and a personal touch. Most life change happens face-to-face and life-on-life. 
Maybe it's a friend that you've grown apart from or even a former church member that you used to see regularly. But someone needs to reach out to them. Someone needs to bring them back. Someone needs to show the love and grace of God to them. But if it's a family member, that someone may not be you. Take a moment and think, who is it for you? Who do you need to go find? Who's not walking with the Lord now that you used to love and care for? They might not know anyone else who can share the hope that you have to offer. So why am I asking you to do this? Because of the next verse, verse 20, the stakes are high. The problem is real, the remedy is possible, and the stakes are high. Verse 20 says, let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. It starts off, let him know. James is not talking about the wanderer here. He's talking about the someone who will bring back a sinner from his wandering. This is what James wants you to know. Knowing is an idea that you got to think about. Knowing is a fact that you can bank on. Knowing is something that's sure, that's certain. And if you're not sure that you should be doing this, here's what James wants you to know, that the stakes couldn't be higher. He says, whoever brings back a sinner from their wandering will save his soul from death. Obviously, James is not talking about our physical death. We all die. It's not the first death. It's what Revelation 20 uh, refers to as the second death. It says, then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. This is talking about hell. James is telling us that bringing back a wanderer is going to save him or her from hell. Now, if you're thinking, I can't save anyone, that's God's job. You're absolutely right. One of the characteristics of an authentic Christian is they continue in the faith. And those who make false professions of faith may leave and never come back. True Christians, though they wander, always come back. And at this point, you may be wondering, but what about my sister? She's out there right now in the darkness. Is she saved? We don't know. Here's what we do know. If she comes back, she was saved. God may have worked through you to bring her back. And the fact that she came back is confirmation that she was saved, or at the very least is now saved. It's not up to us to decide whether a wanderer needs salvation or restoration. Our command is to bring them back. The very first Bible verse I ever memorized back in the 70s. I'm old. This Philippians 1.6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Christ Jesus. Some days, the only thing we can do is to claim that promise for our wanderer knowing that God doesn't give up on any of his children. He's not finished until they're finished. He may allow them to wander, but he will not leave them there. 
and we go in his name to bring them back and their return confirms God's promise to them. However, he knew that was coming. We don't have a schedule for their wandering. We don't know when they'll return. And if they come back, it will certainly be within their lifetime but it may not be within ours. And that may mean that going out to find the wanderers and bringing them back might be, probably will be, a messy business. You'll probably get your feelings hurt. You'll probably get your toes stepped on. You'll probably get called names. You'll probably be told you're an arrogant jerk. Who do you think you are to tell me anything about my life? Bringing back wanderers calls for risking your own safety and security. Every person out there who's wandered away from the truth has built a little house of cards and using all of their reasons and rationalizations and explanations and blame shifting and playing the victim and even gaslighting you and others for why they're not home right now. And if and when you talk to them, you are going to hear all of that. And those words may come at you filled with venom and resentment and bitterness. After all, most of them are not waking up this morning thinking, wow, it really stinks out here in Wanderville. I need to go home. Now, I know this sermon's been filled with hard words. And here's one more. If they get in a car accident or get bad news from the doctor or get rejected by that school or that person, their house of cards will come crashing down. Now and then someone comes to see me and says something to the effect of, ah, Dave, my life has hit rock bottom. And I feel so bad for them because most of the time I have to say, oh no, you're not even close to rock bottom. God can and will bring you down so much more if that's what it takes to get you to repent. Just repent now because if you don't, your life is going to get a whole lot worse. If you're the wanderer today, there's a warning for you in the Bible. In Hebrews 2, he says, Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. For how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? If you're the wanderer, yes, eventually you will hit rock bottom. Often you'll just get crushed by the world by the people you left with or left for and who have now just tossed you aside. And when that happens, and it almost always happens, you might, you just might start calling out to God. Because way down deep in your heart of hearts, you know what's true. And for the rest of us, you have to believe that God is at work in their life. Even in those times, even when they're going through terrible things, that God is using that mess to call them back. 
So even if you're rebuked and rebuffed, even if you're put off again, when their life spins out of control, they're going to remember you as the person who cared enough to go to them, even when they didn't want to hear it. And that'll be your opportunity to show them the way home. We just finished going through First and Second Peter this fall. First Peter 4.8 reminds us, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. You may have a wanderer out there right now. And every time you think about them, it breaks your heart. And you know I'm not exempt from this any more than you are. But something amazing happens when they come home. When a wanderer is restored, we don't spend a lot of time talking about their sin because we all know and we can now see that it's been forgiven. And that's the message the wanderer needs to hear. Your past can be forgiven. Your hurts can be healed. Your sin has been atoned for. That's the great truth of the gospel. We celebrate what Jesus has done for sinful people, people like us and people like them. Because the reward is great. The reward is great. You know, one of my favorite hymns, it's an old hymn, was written by a man named Robert Robinson. And more than 100 years ago, he composed this great hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. And in one of the verses, he has this thought, Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. He could be talking about any one of us. We all feel that tendency. Any one of us can be prone to wander. Curiously, it seems that after Robinson wrote that hymn, he walked away from God. Not for a year, but for three decades. His proneness to wander became a pattern. He tried to get away, he tried to go back, but he was lost in the darkness and he knew it. And then one day, he had to go somewhere, and remember this is over 100 years ago, so he was going to ride in a stagecoach. So he got in the stagecoach and sat down. There was other people in the stagecoach. And uh, he sat next to this young woman reading poetry. And he was obviously distraught. And he asked her, read to me from your book. And she said, oh, listen to this encouraging thought. Someone wrote these words. Not knowing who she was speaking to, she read him these words. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, O oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. And then she began humming the tune. And try as he might, Robert Robinson couldn't get her to stop. He couldn't even get her to change the subject. And she asked him finally what he thought of this tune that she was humming, this hymn that she had just read to him. And he responded, Madam, I am the poor unhappy man who wrote that hymn many years ago, and I would give a thousand worlds if I had them to enjoy the feelings I had then. And she looked at him, and very gently she replied, Sir, the streams of mercy are still flowing. And he was so deeply touched by that. 
And as a result of that one encounter, he repented. And his fellowship with the Lord was restored through the ministry of his own hymn and one of Christ's willing witnesses. In the middle of that hymn, I don't remember which stanza it is, but it says, Jesus sought me when a stranger, wandering from the fold of God. He to rescue me from danger interposed his precious blood. That's the gospel. And when it comes to your wanderer, that's what we're asking for. That's what we're praying for. That's why we go find them. That's why we bring them home. Because the reward is great. And Jesus says, they're worth it. Think about that. Pray for them. And then pray for us too. Take a moment to do that and then I'll close. Apologize, I should have put Kleenex out for some people beforehand. Maybe the rest of the month you bring some with you. Let's pray. Our Lord and our God, thank you that you have spoken to us by your Son. Open our eyes that we might see our sin and then see our Savior. God, our Father, we bow before you and we confess our failure to remember the grace of the gospel. Sometimes we act as people who think, that when it comes to our wandering loved ones, that you can't do anything. And yet you command us to go get them, to bring them back, to save their soul from death. Those are serious commands. Forgive us for not taking them seriously. Grant that we may live as people who remember them, who remember you, and who remember your love and your grace and your forgiveness, and work in each of our hearts as we learn from you this winter to bring back the wanderer. So by the power of your Holy Spirit, draw us ever closer to the one who has forgiven us and draw our wanderers ever closer to the one who rejoices to forgive them. Your Son, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.